looking at the front row this morning, you can see a couple of people missing, and one of them is Jill, my wife. She's out at Selwyn this morning, and I'm here. Next week, she's here, and I'm there. This church divides people. It's bad. I'm going to tell the senior pastor when he gets back, the lead pastor, Carl and Ange, that, you know, they're separating us. I think David's out there today with the worship team, and Joe's here with the kids. So, you know, we're sort of all over the place. I'm all over the place quite a lot too, aren't I, actually? It's good. Um, you're wondering where Carl and Anja, lead pastor. We've got a couple of photos of where they're at right now, actually. Here we are with the family and Lorraine Dirk. We know Lorraine, don't we, from the church here. They're over in Bangkok. They've been in the church in Thailand. And uh, last Sunday, Carl preached there at Mung Tong Church. And you, can know, you know what he preached about, don't you? Right. He's put his uh, special T-shirt on. And I hear it went really, really well. So they're away on their sabbatical right now. Um, Someone wondering what the screen's all about, right? Someone going, what on earth does that screen? We've got screens there, we've got screens there. Why is that one there? And some people say, it's really annoying, you know. Well, it's there because the technology that we all have at the moment is that's the one that they have to use for the recording. And uh, because this is recorded and put on all sorts of places on YouTube, etc. So it has to go through this little system here. Can't go through those ones, right? That's what it's all about. That's the whole deal. Is that good? Yeah. Makes sense, doesn't it? Doesn't to me, but makes sense to some people anyway. Really cool. A couple of weeks ago, I spoke to you and I wanted to talk about how we should never forget how amazing the good news of the gospel is. If you were here, um, I said I wanted to capture the wonder of the simplicity and the wonderful truths of the gospel, the good news that God has given each one of us and proclaim them again. And last time I actually spoke to you on that wonderful truth about the whole thing that God loves us. Every single one of us on planet earth is loved by God. And the only thing that can separate us from that great love is by us refusing it. The truth that God loves us transforms us if we know it not just if we hear it, but if we know it and if we experience it for ourselves. So I want to move on today to another wonderful life-transforming truth, another simple one of the gospel. Let's read some verses from one of David's Psalms. You'll know this, some of you very well. Psalm 32. Psalm 32 verses 1 and 2 says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity and whose spirit there is no deceit. Great verse. You'll think, there's a few words there, Paul. I don't really sort of understand. We don't use them very much today. You know, notice the word transgression, the word iniquity. They're not really part of our everyday vocabulary, are they, at the moment these days? I mean, when was the last time you dropped them into your everyday conversation, you know? Hi, how are you going? Tell me about your latest transgression, you know. Well, how are you, mate? You know, you had any iniquities that you've been involved in lately? You know, it doesn't really go down too well, does it? And in fact, the other word that's there, the word sin, that's not really very popular today either, is it really? I mean, they're bad words. Well, not bad words, but you know what I'm trying to say, don't you? We sort of feel uh, they're bad. They've been long gone from our everyday conversation. And actually, those two words, iniquity and transgression, a lot of translations just use the word sin to make it a bit easier for us. Let's do a little bit of a vocab. Is that okay? A bit of a Bible study, vocab, English study from the Greek or wherever it was from before that. Are you ready for that? Yeah. Transgression is an act of rebellion and disloyalty. 
Sin is an act that misses God's expressed and revealed will. Now, often you might hear that said, it's described as missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark of what God has for our lives. And sometimes it's not even intentional, but it, it's missing the mark, right? The third one, iniquity, is a wrong act often associated with a conscious and intentional intent to do wrong. So you've decided willfully, I am now going to do this. I know that it's wrong, but I'm making an intention and I'm deciding to go ahead with it, right? Okay, folks, it's morning talk time. Anyone here ever done anything rebellious? That's three of us, okay. That's transgression, by the way. We were all kids once. We were a kid once, weren't you? I was a kid once. When I was a kid, I went, did something wrong probably about once, I think, in my life. My mother's not here, I don't think, this morning, so I can say what I like. When my mother never came to me and said, Paul, that, was, that transgression deserves an act of appropriate corporal punishment served judiciously and promptly. She just simply said, you've been a naughty boy, I'm going to smack your bottom, right? I know she couldn't do that today for many, many reasons, but one that she's 93, so it makes it a bit harder, doesn't it? <laughs> but you know, I used to run away from my mother when she tried to smack me. Like I have vivid memories of running around the backyard, around the garden shed, and my mother couldn't catch me. She still can't today, so that's really cool. Hey? Anyone here ever missed the mark of God's will? That's sin. Anyone ever deliberately chosen to do something wrong? That's iniquity. And of course, it hasn't happened since you're about the age of six, right? I mean... But for some reason, if you've said no to all three, there's one thing I can say about you this morning. You're delusional. <laughs> and I stand on pretty solid ground when I say that because the Bible says all have sinned, right? And all have fallen short of the glory of God. And I thought you were doing a series on good news, Paul, you know. That's really good news. I came to church today to get some good news. I'm glad I came, you know. Well, it was me. I've transgressed. I've sinned. I've, I've committed iniquity. And you know something? We'd be utter, utterly miserable, wouldn't we, if those verses that David wrote for us were written with the sole purpose of making us feel terrible and condemning us and highlighting our sin and our iniquity and our transgression. But it's not the real intent of these verses at all. So let's find out what it is. So the writer of this psalm I've already mentioned is, is David, King David. And in his life, he made some huge mistakes. One particular period of his life was really went haywire. Involved that time, you've heard of it many times, probably when he, in his time of vulnerability and weakness, and he noticed a woman who was very beautiful and he lusted after her. But he didn't leave it at that point. He took advantage of his power as king, and he, while her husband was away fighting for him in the war, he invited her to come to visit him. He sent for her. So when he sent for her and she came to him, he committed adultery with her, and then he sent her back home. And that could have been the end of it. It was bad enough up to then, except a little while later, this woman sends a message to him going, I'm pregnant. There was no doubt he was the father because 
Her husband was still away fighting in the army for David. Now to cover his sin, David did all sorts of things, all manner of deceptive things to try and stop people from finding out about this situation. But when none of them worked, he hatched this really which this plan, which for us would almost seem unbelievable, he arranged for her husband, who was still fighting for him, he was one of his most loyal soldiers, in fact, to be put in the most dangerous place in the battle. But even worse, David instructed his comrades at arms that when the fighting became particularly fierce, they were to isolate that man and abandon him so he could be killed. That's exactly what happened. What horrendous depths David had sunk to in this moment of his life. But I think you'd agree with me that because of some of these things that happened to him, he understands, don't you think, the complete sense of guilt and shame and the consequences of sin. And this psalm takes us on a bit of a journey with him to a time when he he tried to cover that sin for himself. Listen to what he says in the next couple of verses. It's very graphic. He says in verse 3, When I kept silent... My bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. What a graphic description of someone trying to live a life apart from the grace and forgiveness of God. The weight of guilt sapping his strength day after day, night after night. None of us are built to handle that. But when David finally realized that he couldn't handle it, he then says in verse 5, Then I acknowledged my sin to you, did not cover my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Just like David, you know, none of us can carry the weight of the guilt of our sin. And neither any of us can do anything about to pay the penalty for our sin. And we tie ourselves up in knots sometimes, trying to deal with it our own way. And it all goes haywire, doesn't it? It all goes, it saps our strength. And the crazy thing about it is that the pain and torment we go through is totally unnecessary. Because Jesus took all of it upon himself on the cross so that we wouldn't even have to try to deal with it. And so God's intent, sorry, David's intent in this psalm is not to highlight the nature of sin and certainly not to justify it either, but it's to proclaim the amazing joy and blessing that comes from forgiveness. Listen to our first few verses again. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. And so on. David's learned some amazing things on his journey about the revelation of grace and forgiveness and the love of God. That word forgiven literally means this, carried away, sent away, abandoned, left, left behind, canceled. I love that. Blessed is the one whose sins are carried away, the one whose sins are canceled, the one whose sins are abandoned, the ones whose sins have been left or they've been left behind. That's awesome. And when it says they've been covered, it's not like trying to cover over it, you know, and just pretend it didn't happen, hoping nobody finds out. This cover means it's been covered and buried, never to be dug up or brought up again to accuse us. Then it says, blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. It says, if the sin had never taken place, 
in the first instance. Another translation, New Living Translation, really captures the joy of this so beautifully. It says, oh, what joy for those whose disobedience is forgiven, whose sin is put out of sight. Yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleared of guilt. That's you and me. That's you and me. You can feel the sheer joy and the excitement that David has when he wrote those verses, but why is he so full of joy? Because forgiveness is not just a truth that he's heard about. Truth that forgiveness is something he's grasped hold of for himself. He's experienced in his own life. He knows the truth, and the truth has set him free. You know, the great thing about this passage is it's not even the New Testament yet. This is the Old Testament. It's before the cross. These verses proclaim the complete assurance of God's forgiveness, but they're written long before the full revelation of God's grace and, and forgiveness that came through Jesus Christ. It's the last, this is the last, next, sorry, the next great truth of the gospel I want to share this morning. You've got it already, haven't you? The first one was, you are loved. This week it's, you are forgiven. You are forgiven. Acts 10.43, all the prophets testify about him, that's Jesus, that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Ephesians 1 verse 7, he is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. 1 John 2 verse 12, I am writing to you who are God's children because your sins have been forgiven through Jesus. Is anyone getting excited about this this morning? I know it's old news, but it's great news. The gospel is such wonderful good news. You are forgiven. I am forgiven. We are forgiven. You know, the sad thing is, you hear people say things like this, and you may have said some of these yourselves. I hope God will forgive me for what I've just what I've done. What about this one? I hope I've done enough for God to accept me and, and forgive me. What about this one? I don't think God could forgive me for that. I've heard this one before. God's going to punish me. I know it for what I do. I just know it. He's going to punish me. Even this one. This is God's judgment on us for our sins. And you can probably think of a few more like this one, these ones. There's something in common with each one of these phrases. They're all dead wrong. They're not the gospel. And I said this to you last time, if we're not giving people good news when we're talking about being a Christian, then we're not presenting them with the gospel, right? If any gospel leaves you fearful of an angry and judgmental God, it is not the gospel. If any gospel leaves you worried or unsure that God will ever forgive you, it's not the gospel. If any gospel makes you think that you have to work harder or you have to do something to achieve your salvation, it's not the gospel. God has already passed judgment on sin. The punishment was already dished out once and for all, and God has already forgiven you and me. You can do nothing to earn God's forgiveness. It's a gift. Romans 3 verse 23. A lot of you know this verse well. For the wages of sin is death, 
but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. I had my birthday this week, last week. Thank you, thank you very much. Had one last year too, actually. And I got some cards. Some of the cards I got were nice. Some of them were funny. Some of them were funny and nice. Some of them were just plain cheeky, actually. But this one here said, "You're not old. You're just an antique little boy." <laughs> this one said, "For a man at the peak of early late middle age, you look fantastic." Don't look bad for 95, do I? Really? You know? Are you all right, mate? Yeah, I forgot to give you this. <laughs> Oh, did you? Oh, okay. Happy oh, birthday. Oh, thank you, Happy man. Happy birthday. Oh, thanks, Jono. Thank you, Jono. Thank you. Doesn't rattle. <laughs> hmm. That's low. Hey, thanks, mate. Cool. Do I open it later? Yeah, not Might be embarrassing. It's probably got a cheeky card on it anyway. Did you notice something when he gave me that gift, though? He didn't say... You can only have this, Paul, if you've been a good boy, and have you? And if you have been, you can keep it. But if you haven't been, I'm going to take it away again. See, a birthday gift doesn't have conditions attached to it, right? It's a gift. And there are no, if there are strings attached to that birthday gift, if John had said to me, you can only have it if you do this or this or this or this, then it wasn't a gift. Are you with me? Are you, are you okay today? Yeah. I know it's very simple, but, you know, it's just, I got simpler since I had a birthday last week. <laughs> but now that he's given it to me, no matter how much he paid for it, and I'm guessing it was pretty colossal price, yeah. you know. He's given it to me now, and no matter how much he paid for it, it doesn't belong to Jono anymore, right? It belongs to me. It's mine. Are you with me? Yeah. A gift he gave. To me. If he comes along and tries to get it off me now again and tries to take it away, which he's not going to do because I'll belt him up, <laughs> he'll have stolen what lawfully belongs to me. Right. Are you with me? It was a gift from Jono to Paul. He had great joy in giving it to me, and I had great joy in receiving it. But the only thing that would stop both of us having joy and being excited about the gift is if I didn't accept it from him and said, I don't want it. Are you with me this morning? See, the wonderful good news of the gospel is that because Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of sins, he took the penalty in our place, we are forgiven. We have been given the gift of forgiveness. There are no conditions attached to it. It's been given and God will not reclaim it or take it back. The only thing that will stop us from receiving the blessing of God's gift of forgiveness is if we do not accept it. Jesus carried the sins of the whole world to the cross. So everyone is forgiven, but get me right this morning, not everybody is saved because not all receive the gift that has been freely given. Are you with me? Not universal salvation, universal forgiveness, yes. But not everyone is saved because not everyone has received the gift of forgiveness that God has already given. 
But the freedom that comes from receiving that gift of knowing it, of experiencing it in our lives. There's no question that God loves you. That's the truth. But the, that love of God, that truth of that love has no effect on your life until you know it for yourself and receive it. Then everything changes. It's the same with God's forgiveness. There's no question that God has forgiven you. It's truth. But that will have no effect on your life until you know it for yourself. Experience it and receive it. We all live with people who desperately, amongst people who desperately need to hear the good news that we have. What a wonderful joy and privilege we have to be able to tell them that the good news of the gospel is that God loves them and God forgives them. But I mean, I've, I've discovered we are really stupid sometimes, don't you think? Well, I know I am. And we try to cover our sin like David did. We try to hide it. Sometimes we even try to cover it with our own self-righteousness. When all the time God wants to cover our sin with his righteousness. Righteousness, <clears throat> excuse me, righteousness means rightness. And its simple definition, always right. It means right standing with God. And none of us can achieve that with anything we can do. Because we know no matter how hard we try, we never think everything that's right, correct? We, never, we don't always do the right thing. We don't always say the right thing. We don't always think the right thing. Our heart and our motives are not always right, no matter how hard we try. So we might as well just give up on it all and just rely on what God has given us in Jesus. We're acceptable to God because of Jesus. We are forgiven because of Jesus. We are deemed righteous, not because of anything we can do or any merits of our own whatsoever, but because of Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Wow. Because Jesus took the penalty for this, our sin on the cross, when God looks at us, instead of seeing the filthiness of our sin and our self-righteousness, he sees the beauty of Jesus Christ's righteousness. Because we are forgiven and made righteous, when God looks at us, he doesn't see our wrongness, he sees Jesus' rightness. So instead of being rejected, we're accepted. Instead of being condemned, we are forgiven. Oh, so many times we get tied up with our own mistakes and we failures, we lose the centrality of the life we have in Christ. We often say, oh, I've messed that one up, I've done that, and I shouldn't have done that, and I did this, and I didn't do that, and I, I mucked up there, and I did this, and before long it's I did this, and I, 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 all the time. And if we don't know it before long, we're getting very I-centered and forgetting about Jesus. Because the good news of the gospel is that if the focus is not on my sin or on our sin, the focus of the gospel is on forgiveness and it's on Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, God sees us as forgiven today. Oh, God couldn't forgive me. Well, really? You don't know what I've done. No, I don't, but you do and so does God. He's already provided the answer yeah. Yeah. in Jesus. It's already been dealt with. 
Your forgiveness has already been won. Accept it, receive it, apply it to your life. Was it intentional? It's forgiven. Was it rebellious? It's forgiven. Was it shameful? It's forgiven. Did it miss God's mark? It's forgiven. Listen to me, there are no exceptions. The cross of Jesus Christ shouts its sin. They're all forgiven. They're sent away. Your sin is abandoned. Your sin is left behind. Your sin is canceled. You know, if there are exceptions in the cross of Jesus, it's not powerful. If there are exceptions in the wounds that were inflicted upon Jesus and the blood that flowed from his body were to no avail, if there are exceptions, then none of us would have any assurance of forgiveness. If the gospel presented has exceptions, then it is not the gospel. But I want to declare to you today, and these verses will fly up on the screen, everyone who believes on him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's Acts 10.43. Through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you, Acts 13.38. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Ephesians 1.7. Your sins have been forgiven on account of his name. 1 John 2. Verse 12, and so on and so on and so on. What excellent news this morning. Are you happy about this news today? What wonderful news. What good news. What joy it brings to our hearts. Team, would you come up right now? I want us to close our eyes for a a few moments here this morning. We are going to sing a, a song, but... I like this song. It says some good truths. It says, Your mercy triumphs over judgment. Love wider than horizons. Stronger than all sin. Don't you love that? And as we sing it this morning in a moment, we're going to sing it in a moment, just as we have our eyes closed before we do. You know, this morning you say, Well, I've heard all this before. Well, I hope you have. Some of you may never have heard that God forgives you. I don't know. I don't know everybody here. But I'm just wanting us in these days to capture again the wonder and the joy of our salvation. You are forgiven. And if when that has been spoken this morning, you felt in your heart something flying back at you going, no, I can't be. Right now, you take authority over those things. That's not God. Condemnation is never God. Conviction of sin is something different. Condemnation is never God. There's nothing you can ever do to separate yourself from the love of God unless you deliberately take yourself and refuse His love. Nothing that can separate from His forgiveness. He's forgiven you. But you have to receive it for yourself. You can reject it. This morning, receive it. Receive His forgiveness. If you need to apply to any area of your life, right, let us thank Him. Say, Lord, I thank you that you died for me on the cross. I thank you that you've paid the penalty for my sin. I thank you that you've forgiven me. And as we sing this song, let it be a declaration. This is the heart of God towards us today. Can we stand and do that right now? Thank you.